Okay. So now we're getting to the point of this long letter, or everything we said so far was able for us to understand this point. It says, the original subject, that if someone is angry, it's like he's an idolater. It's like he's serving idols. Why did we say that? Because if everything is God, how can you get angry? You're, you're denying God. You're saying it's not God. You're angry at God. Now, so that it clarifies, we only mean this in terms of mundane. If something happened to you, it's not like you want, and you got angry. That's idolatry. The only time it's permissible to get angry is to stop another person from sinning. In other words, if you see someone transgressing or about to transgress, and your anger would make them realize, whoa, I should not be doing this. This is really wrong. Then the anger you're using as a tool. You're not denying God. You're using it as a tool to stop someone from sinning, as we see Moses did. Moses got angry at the people to stop them from sin, and that's good. But that's the only time it's good. But if something's going on in your life, even something that seemingly is preventing you from serving God, unless you're going to stop the person from sin, there's no issue with anger. It, it's not applicable. So therefore, going back to the original case in point we've been coming to, if a person is praying, he's praying with a lot of devotion, and some heathen comes up to him and starts talking to him, deliberately to distract him, to disturb him, to make him not pray properly, well, you could get angry. No, you're not gonna, your anger is not going to stop the guy. So he's doing it to get you upset. Like I am sure many people say to your children, what are you getting upset for? That's exactly what the other child wants. So getting upset at the heathen isn't going to stop him. He, he's going to be like, yeah, 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 this is what I want. So in this case, what would anger mean? Anger would mean you're serving idols. Anger would mean you denying that it's God that's involved in this situation. So what are you supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is think about what's going on and understand that this is God. This, even though this heathen, this Gentile, is making his own choice as he sees it, but God's in everything. So God, too, wants him to disturb your prayers. Why would God want that? Because he wants you to pray even better. And the only way I can pray when I have this guy harassing me in the background is by so focusing, so strengthening myself in my prayers that I don't even hear his voice. How do I get to that point? That's really intense. How do I get to that? Well, think about it. Think about all the things we've said so far in this order. Meaning, think about how the divine presence descended all the way to be invested in this Clip in this form of evil to animate it, which of course we know is how divine presence has to invest itself in everything to animate, including the most evil thing. But a spark of this radiation is invested in this specific exile in the speech of this Gentile who is saying these words to disturb your prayer. This is exactly why he's doing this. In his head, he wants to disturb you. He wants to mess up your prayer. And look at that. The divine presence, the divine power of speech, Malchus, sovereignty, the divine power of speech, divine presence, is right now animating and being used for someone to speak to disturb your prayer. This is what the verse means that we quoted earlier. That man rules man to his detriment. That the, the man of evil is deliberately trying to overwhelm the man of godliness. He's trying to harm him. And that's exactly what's happening here. The evil forces are trying to rule over the forces of holiness and trying to stop your prayer. Ah, we said Liralo to his detriment, really meant to the detriment of evil. Because God runs the show. 
So why is God allowing the evil forces to overcome? I mean, you'd be put in a situation where you're trying so hard to pray and someone's just disturbing you. It's not your fault. Someone's disturbing you. Because through this, you will invigorate the forces of holiness. You will vitalize the forces of holiness. You will upgrade your concentration. You will meditate on the descent of the divine presence to right now be vested in the speech of this heathen. And you will feel, I've got to liberate it. I've got to free the divine presence. And how do I free the divine presence? How do I actualize its reason for being? By praying even better because of the speech of this heathen. So that is how I'm actually freeing the spark from its present exile, which is the reason for this whole thing in the first place. Now, if we're looking at this thought in its source, which is the writings of the Baal Shem Tov, it's not literally his writings. He didn't write anything down. He taught. After his passing, his students compiled his writings in a book called Tzavasarivash, which means the will of an acronym for the Baal Shem Tov, which wasn't his will, it's a collection of his teachings. And the Rebbe says that part of the confusion, perhaps, if we want to give people the benefit of the doubt, part of the confusion, perhaps, in why people are objecting to the saying of the Baal Shem Tov is because of a certain word the compiler used in giving over this teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, which is an inaccurate word. Because the compiler in bringing out this idea of God invested in this heathen, uses the word sharsa, that the divine presence dwelled within the heathen, abided in the heathen. And that's not a correct term. So why did he use an incorrect term? Because as we said in the very, very, very beginning of this letter, the Baal Shem Tov didn't give over his teachings in the holy tongue of Lashon HaKodesh, of biblical Hebrew. He gave it over in Yiddish. So the book is written in Hebrew. So therefore, the compiler had to take these teachings and translate it from Yiddish to Hebrew. Now, obviously, he knows Yiddish, he knows Hebrew, but he missed, he, he, wasn't, he missed the nuance here. So he used the word shursa, which means to dwell, and that's the wrong word. Why is it the wrong word? Because shursa is a dwelling that's a manifest dwelling of the divine presence. That there's a manifest indwelling of the divine presence in this heathen is not true. So what word should the compiler have used? He should have used the word nislapsha, which means becomes invested, which means implying the divine presence is in exile, is not revealed. It's there in a very concealed form, as versus shursa, which would mean there in a revealed form. And obviously there in a real form doesn't make sense because you can't say that the divine presence in this heathen who's trying to disturb your prayers is more revealed than the divine presence in the Jew praying. That doesn't make sense. So that's not what the Baal Shem Tov meant. He meant nislapsha. It's there in a very concealed form, but you, through your thoughts, are going to understand what's going on and going to extract and release the divine presence that's hidden and in exile, vivifying these words. You're going to actualize its purpose by praying so much more deliberately because of it. Well, I'm just talking about a little spark of the divine presence. Why am I calling it the divine presence? We do that, the Rebbe says, just like we see throughout Tanakh. That angels are called by God's name, not God. But they're called that way. A spark of the divine presence is called the divine presence. That is not our issue. The Rebbe is going to go on to say tomorrow that that's not really the problem of these people that have this problem. We're, we're just being, giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying, if the compiler had said, Nislapsha, 
dwelling in a hidden way, that they would have been okay with. But since he said Sharsa, dwelling in a revealed way, that created all their problems. Maybe not. But we're giving the benefit of the doubt. And if that was your problem, we just resolved it by saying, truly, it's not a mistake on the part of the Baal Shem Tov. He sowed his teachings in Yiddish, but it is a mistake on the part of the compilers.